Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Hey, Alex. What are you doing, man? You're not ready. How am I not ready? I'm here. Your shirt. You can't. You can't do things out in public like that. Oh, especially not on the podcast like that, man. I better. I better get into something else quick. Oh my gosh, oh, that was quick. That's better. And thank goodness we have 49ersCutbackShop.com where you can get all your 49ers cutback needs very easily as well. Yeah, go over there, check it out, peruse a little bit. New drop coming soon.49ers cutback podcast time welcome to the show everyone it's time to talk about tight ends not named george kittle not named charlie warner and not named ross dwelly but a lot of potential players the 49ers could go out and select if they're looking to improve the room which maybe they are we know jordan elliott was pushing potentially trey mcbride 61 on war room is that something that's a reality, Alex? I'm looking forward to getting into the tight ends and breaking it all down. Look, I'm, I'm extremely uh, excited as well, Ant, to be getting into all of these tight ends, breaking all of these, uh, these possibilities down, and, and really taking a look to see uh, who's going to be available, who are these names going to be, and you know, do, do any of these names actually make sense for the San Francisco 49ers? Because, uh, Ant, you and I both know the Niners don't just draft guys. They don't necessarily always just draft players because people want them to. Uh, last year, Big swerves across the board with some of the names that they picked and some of the guys that were available. But look, at the end of the day, they're looking for scheme fits. They're looking for guys that can play a role within the system, fit a niche, right? A niche role, Ant. They got to fit the niche role. If they don't fit the niche role, uh, then they're, they're not a possibility. Um, and look, there's a lot of new things happening. There's a lot of different things happening in this draft. Now there's players going earlier than anticipated, players going later than anticipated, Ant. And that means maybe tight ends that originally weren't available or weren't going to be possible 
at 61 for San Francisco are now suddenly becoming available and possible. And Trey McBride is a name that Jordan struggled mightily with. He really, on War Room, I mean, he really, talk about a guy he really, he he did it. I mean, he was about ready to do it. Vish talked him off of it with a different name. We were definitely trying to talk him off with some different yeah. names. But I understand the, the enticing nature of a Trey McBride and what he brings to the table. Do you think this is actually an option for the 49ers? No, I don't. I, I honestly don't. I watch this film and, you know, I like the player. Um, and I like, you know, the, the a tight end in this draft. I wouldn't be shocked. As long as they are good enough to be able to make this roster, I don't think they're exactly excited about their depth when they get to the three and four guy. They've been trying to turn Jordan Matthews into a tight end. He was a slot receiver. Now he's putting on size. So some of the guys we talk about are gonna actually going to have similar size to Jordan Matthews. And Jordan Matthews was an elite receiving uh, caliber player. Uh, I'm talking about from a power slot perspective. Um, I'm talking in the tight end market as well. You know, he's an elite receiver as a tight end. Uh, I think that when it comes down to it, though, they would like to improve. You got Ross Dwelly that is a good pass catcher, struggles mightily in the run game, especially since 2019. He hasn't improved in that area. And then Charlie Warner is a very good run blocker but is still developing his past skills. And I don't think they have a legitimate second option as a pass receiver behind George Kittle, because when Ross Dole is in, I think they are more inclined to believe that it's a, it's a pass play. When Charlie Warner's in, they're more inclined to believe it's a run play. So they need someone with a little bit more versatility, somebody that you believe can either run or be catching the pass. That's why I don't know if Jordan Matthews fits into that as well. Uh, so this is going to be a fun conversation and there's some good tight ends, but there's also some tight ends that developmentally could be great tight ends if they're uh, in the right scheme and playing for the right coaches. You and I have talked about this tight end position a lot, Ant, and we've gone through these names and some of these guys, and uh, it's really, really tough right now to, to locate or pinpoint guys who do both, right? Who do both the receiving aspect and the blocking aspect. They're either solid blockers who can't run routes at all, or they're incredible pass catchers that don't add much in the blocking room. Literally almost every guy that I broke down, it felt that way with, including Trey McBride. And that may shock some of the TCC. That may shock people, but I have motor physicality, route running. All of those things are great. Great guy in terms of catching the ball. Concerns about speed and concerns about blocking. His technique is not perfect. This is not a guy who comes out there and dominates at the point of the attack. Could this guy be like serviceable? Could he suffice? Possibly. But this isn't a guy who's going to replace a George Kittle. You can't draft Trey McBride, slot him into the George Kittle role in the offense and be like, problem solved now if trey if, if kittle goes down we're fine because we have trey no you you don't you don't have that uh, with a guy like this so yeah this is gonna be a fun conversation it's gonna be fun to talk about some of these names um trey mcbride i i like him as a player and i thought a team was going to look at the his potential as a route running pass catching option at the tight end position especially a team that doesn't have that and go hey we need to get this guy because this guy does it at, at, at a very elite level and uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore, which means you're looking at tight ends, a first tight end maybe not coming off the board until what, second round? Yeah, and, and in all honesty, this is what I look at this room. I don't see a tight end that I would take before the 105 comp pick. I seen Donald Johnson asking. I wouldn't do that. Last year, I was willing to go Tommy Tremble uh, with the comp pick at 102. I thought that would have been a nice value for him as a very good blocker who was developing in the past game. Um, that was somebody that I really liked. I don't see anyone that's to that level of Tommy Tremble uh, because he could do it all. So I wouldn't go before the comp pick. I'm sure some of these guys are going to go before that area. I think Trey McBride has the the chance to go the highest somewhere in the second round potentially. And then after that, more everybody else is kind of third round on. We'll see what happens. This isn't a dynamic tight end class. This is a developmental tight end class. 
Um, some of the guys have elite traits, and then some of the guys are just well-rounded. But with Trey McBride, he's 6'3", 246 pounds out of Colorado State. I thought he had, it was a very good athlete, very strong, and had good hands. Uh, but other than that, he's not a complete tight end yet. There's some development that needs to happen there. He's very physical with the ball in his hand, so I like that. Absolutely. He likes to, you know, he's very good running with the ball after the catch, so we know that's a Kyle Shanahan-type thing. I just don't know if you're willing to go that at 61. I'm not even potentially expecting him to be available at 61. I think he could go anywhere from 50 to 60 in that range, and he'd be a good prospect for somebody. But I did like a little bit of the guys last year that went higher more than I did Trey McBride. I, I don't disagree with you here. And look, Eric Dane just said it. It's interesting because if they want someone who can disguise runner pass, they should probably just run three wide receiver sets with Jawan Jennings. He's a great blogger. Showed last year he can also catch and run after the catch as well and do some different things. He's not in a burner by any means, but this is a guy who is a solid route runner and was graded out as one of the, the better wide receiving blocking, a uh, blocking fourth. wide receiver's fourth, right? Yeah. So top five as a blocking wide receiver in the league. Uh, yeah, you're not losing a whole lot there when you go three wide receiver sets. And this is something we've brought up consistently. Are the Niners shifting away from two tight end sets? Are they going to more of these three three wide receiver looks, especially with a quarterback who's mobile and you can space the field out a little bit more and throw out diverse dynamic packages and then motion a guy like Jawan Jennings into like a power slot situation and not lose a whole lot in the run game there or, or in the run, run fit situations there and being able to block correctly, put yourself in a better spot and load the box up and be able to run like a, like a sort of a power sort of run look. Um, Jawan Jennings doesn't necessarily force you to lose a lot of those things. It makes the Niners dynamic, but it also means also that the tight end room now becomes harder to fill because you're looking for guys who can do both things and keep the disguise up, not so much who kind of pigeonhole you into one way or the other, right? This is a pass-catching tight end. This is a run-blocking tight end. We have a good idea and knowing what's happening based on who's on the field. Yeah, exactly, and that's why the interesting part of this is going to be Jordan Matthews, how he develops as a, a run blocker. He's able to be a consistent run blocker. He has the pass catching ability that he's an actual threat against safeties and linebackers. Um, so you put him in the power slot the same way you do Jawan Jennings, and it's a little bit of a different you know avenue that they could go with there. But he has to have the the blocking ability, and we know that was something he had to develop. Now he was a good run blocker as a wide receiver, but playing in line, um, that is not something he was very good at. It's a definitely a different element to the offense that he needs to learn. Uh, and that's why getting one of these tight ends could potentially you know, be something they do. However, it's going to take a pretty good tight end to be able to make this roster. And, and I'm not sure that they're going to find the value at where they draft compared to you know the characteristics that they're going to meet and the skill set that's going to find one of these guys that could develop. So I'm looking for elite traits again. Um, so far, uh, there wasn't a lot of tight ends that had those, but there was a couple that did. Uh, there were a few. There were definitely a few. Um, Paul, before before we move on, let's get to Paul. What was Shanahan's office like when he had Julio Jones in Atlanta? Was it as run he was it run heavy, which means we may not need a tight end very much. Um, I, I think they were more pass heavy over there. To be honest, I think the the run game was more of a supplement for Kyle Shanahan's office in Atlanta. Um, you had Matt Ryan who could sling it. You had Julio Jones. You had a young Muhammad Sanu, not not injury prone. Uh, in the early part of, of, of Atlanta's career, there was the, the wonderful Tony Gonzalez, but there towards the end, they also. Uh, I, b I believe it was uh, it was Hooper, was it not? Yeah. Austin Hooper, a young Austin Hooper, first coming into the league who lit it up. Yeah, they they Kyle Shanahan's often use tight ends. I mean, sure. tight ends always are a part of Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, if Kyle Shanahan has more wide receivers, he will definitely go that route. We know that they were more of a pass-first offense in Atlanta, but they had Matt Ryan, who's an MVP candidate, and they had you know the, the big-time wide receivers. When it comes to the 49ers, they have a young Trey Lance. This isn't a Matt Ryan that's been seasoned, no. you know, a first overall pick that was already seasoned. So when 
Kyle Shanahan got there. He just implemented his scheme, and by year two of the scheme, he's taking off to new heights. Uh, that's not what you're going to see this time. They need to rely on the run still in San Francisco as Trey continues to advance uh, his skill set. So I, I think a tight end is still something to look at um, because they have shown. I mean, last year was very evident. Charlie Warner supplanted uh, Ross Dwelly as tight end too. They need to improve this room. They brought in Michael Pru uh, Pruitt last year as potentially an improvement there. I think they are still looking to improve the depth piece of the tight end. Jordan was with us on that. And I think this is something that you could see the Niners address in this draft. Very well could be the case. And so let's get to some of these options. Let's get to some of these prospects. Yeah. Greg Dulcich, tight end, UCLA. Been flying up some boards, Ant. Went from a guy that was, you know, middle of the road tight end at the start of this whole draft prospect. prospect to the By the time he got to the combine, people were in love with him. And after his combine performance, people were like, hey, best tight end on the board. Right here, Greg Dulcich, UCLA. How do you feel about him? I like Greg Dulcich, but I don't see anything elite about him. He's just a solid tight end. Six foot four, 243 pounds out of UCLA. Um, maybe lacks a lot of the strength in the blocking department, used primarily as a pass receiver in Chip Kelly's offense. So I think he's a good athlete and he adjusts to the ball well. Um, the thing with him with the when he has the ball in his hands that he reminds me of is a Brenton Jones. The way his legs kind of flail out a little bit and just how he looks running the football. Uh, I like that. Um, but my questions for him are blocking. So he's not a complete tight end. And when we talk about these players, we're going to find a lot of them that aren't complete tight ends that aren't able to do the things that George Kittle does on a consistent basis. So every guy that we're talking about has a developmental piece to their game. And Dulcich is no different. The blocking is just not there. That's something that had to be developed. But if you believe you can, then you could possibly take a chance on him. Now you're going to have a new tight end coach, new way of handling things. But we know you get one of these guys, you put him with Kittle, that attitude is going to come. Because if you're not ready to block and you're going in there to play with Kittle and Warner, uh, you're going to get trucked. So I think that he's a guy that potentially in the pass receiving area makes sense. But other than that, there's nothing extremely elite about this guy that makes me go, you know what, no, we, we have to get that guy with 93. I don't I don't see that. Look, I think, too, people get caught up in just sort of what he's done in terms of big plays. He has had a handful of big plays at UCLA, did a lot of good things there, and a very talented offense. Um, but he doesn't have positional versatility, Ant. Um, he isn't a guy that you can put in line and trust that he's going to be a dominant blocker, both in run or pass sets. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. Um, this guy plays better in sort of that F, F position, right? That power slot sort of position in which he is out there running routes in space or maybe even flexing out in space and running routes against a smaller corner or something like that. Um, this isn't a guy who who can be utilized in a variety of ways. He is mostly just a pass catching option right now. And don't get me wrong. The route running, I love it. He's very creative in terms of his releases and how he gets in and out of his breaks. So there are things that I absolutely love about him. But like you said, that's not necessarily an elite skill set. That's just something he does very, very well. He's not slow by any means, which is something I, I do like in tight ends. I don't like tight ends that labor out there in space and take a while to, to get to top gear and can get in and out of breaks quickly. But with where he's going to be going, I don't know if this necessarily is something the Niners are looking for at the tight end position right now. And there are definitely some names that we're going to talk about later on this list that do similar things to what he does or are closer to being more complete tight ends than he is that you can get later. Yeah, plus at pick 93, where I would think he would be a potential landing spot for the 49ers, there's going to be other elite caliber players that you can go grab. Guys who have elite traits at other positions where you might would rather have them uh, added to your football roster. So where tight end comes on the pecking order could be farther down. So they could be looking for a different type of player uh, then Dulcich, the value may not be there at 93. Uh, may not, and may not. Cutback crew, let us know what you thought about Greg Dulcich and Trey McBride right now in the comment section. We'll read some of those after we get through this next gentleman, Ant. 
I'm going to skip over Isaiah Likely right now. We can come back to him, but okay. I want to get to Jeremy Rucker because I know we both have broken this guy down. I think we both like some of the things we've seen. Now the only question is, how much, Ant? How much do you like Jeremy Rucker? So Jeremy Rucker, I was very excited to get the film on because I've been hearing a lot of very good things about him. Six foot five, two hundred and fifty-two pounds out of Ohio State. Uh, he carries his size well. He doesn't look like he's two hundred and fifty-two pounds. So I mean, he's well put together. Um, one thing I liked about him was he presented himself well to a quarterback. So which what I mean is he's going to get a square. He's going to be able to locate the football and and make the catch. I thought that was very nice. And for a young you know, pass thrower like Trey Lance, that might be something that's very nice. Um, he's a possession tight end. I, I saw him as a possession guy. Somebody that catches the ball, not a lot of wiggle after he catches the ball. He's going to get tackled pretty much immediately. Um, but somebody that had good hands. Uh, and I just thought, I wrote down solid. He's just a solid tight end prospect. Um, nothing spectacular, nothing amazing, just solid. My questions for him are his athleticism. I don't know if he's a, a good enough athlete to consistently win against linebackers. I think if you put some of the 49ers linebackers on him, they'd be able to absolutely cover this guy. Not enough strength at the top of his routes and then when he gets to the top of his stem uh, to be able to push off and get open. I didn't see that. Um, I questioned his speed, uh, and that's why I think faster linebackers and safeties could take him away. And then, of course, I brought it up earlier, but the run after the catch isn't special. There's not a, a tremendous amount of run after the catch for him. So he was somebody that I thought was a solid tight end prospect, but nobody that made me go, oh my gosh, we have to get this guy in the third round. Um, so even though there's a lot of high praise for him, I think it's more of him being a solid prospect and not so much an elite prospect. Here's the thing for him too. How do you feel about his blocking ability? Because I didn't, I didn't necessarily hate the way he blocks. I think he's probably right now, I would grade him out as a better blocking prospect as a tight end and could fit in better in, in run fits and things of that nature in your run scheme than maybe in the past scheme. I haven't seen, the production just doesn't translate. He didn't, didn't produce a whole lot at Ohio State. Now, whether that's because Ohio State doesn't utilize tight ends, I mean, that's been a, a problem for Ohio State tight ends for the past few years, it's felt like. Um, do you like him better in, in the blocking scheme and what he could do with San Francisco in the run game? Or do you think he would be better served uh, in a Ross Dwelly type role? No, I think he's well-rounded. I think he could do it all. Here's the problem. We have one of those guys. His name is Charlie Warner. I think Warner could get open just as good as as Rucker could yeah, uh, at this point. So I'm not seeing him as an upgrade in that you know spot. But I do think he's more well rounded than a Ross Dwelly. Um, so I just I see him. He, he would basically be stacking a similar talent to what you have with Charlie Warner. So I think Warner has developed over the last two years. I definitely would say that. Uh, nothing about his route running, Rucker's route running, excuse me, uh, makes me think that this guy is you know an elite receiving option. He does feel like a possession guy. Yeah. He feels like a Charlie Warner type either replacement or if you feel he, he would be an upgrade and upgrade which is which is fine but he's got to show you something to make you believe that and i don't necessarily think i've seen anything that makes me believe that yeah uh, so look isaiah likely though tight end at a coastal carolina uh six four and uh, i think he's what two, 245 245 okay yeah. there it is um how do you like him because extremely athletic uh, a lot a lot of positive things to like there top end speed this guy can catch the football gets open some big plays there at coastal carolina not so much in the blocking category, but uh, what, what are you thinking here? Um, first thing I wrote down was he looks like a slot receiver. Yes. Uh, that was the very first <laughs> thing I, I, I wrote down. He does win deep consistently. Like he gets open deep a lot. Uh, and then he's a very good athlete. So, I mean, you're finding a guy that's very athletic. Um, he has very bad catch form, though. Uh, I was watching this guy go to catch footballs, and he was like clamping down on him, oh, letting him get into his body. I'm so glad he, you said He's not this, catching the, the ball with his hands. 
Those things concern me as windows get tighter and tighter. Uh, he played at Coastal Carolina. Just playing in even the SEC would have made a huge difference. Now he's going to have to play in the NFL with a quarterback like Trey Lance that would throw the ball so hard. By the time you go to clamp down, it already went through your chest. Went through your chest, yeah. bounced off, hit somebody else in the head, hit you in the head, and then fell to the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, but athletic-wise, he's impressive. He does move well for 245 pounds. True. Um, so I liked him in the pass game area, but like you said, uh, liability and blocking, which made me make me think this. This is Jordan Matthews without the wide receiver uh, pass route, routes, route, route running, running ability. ability. So I'm like, I, we already have this guy, a better version of this guy, in fact. So I'm not sure he equates to a 49ers draft pick, um, but I do see him as somebody that can make plays in somebody's offense. If you put him in like the Rams offense, for instance, where they don't ask their tight ends to block a lot, I think he could be very successful. I just don't know if he fits in the 49ers scheme and the way they use tight ends. I have for cons for Isaiah Likely. Warning, warning, warning. Blocking is not good. <laughs> it's just not. It, it yeah. is liability 100% and suspect route running. If you're a suspect route runner as a tight end who has great speed and high point the football, all those things, that's great. But that makes you limited in terms of what your role is and what you can do in this offense. Because guess what, Ant? Uh, there, we, we, George Kittle runs seam routes. That's fine. Ross Dwelly ran seam. Charlie Warner ran seam. Those, those are great. But if that's the only thing you can add to this, this room, uh, how are we going to be able to utilize you? Because we flex guys out, have them run the entire route to you. George Kittle can run any route on the field that you need him to run. Um, this is a problem. This limits your availability. And what you just said about the Jordan Matthews um, situation is exactly why this guy doesn't feel like he would make sense. Jordan Matthews can do all of the things that this guy can do. Maybe you question Jordan Matthews and top end speed and you think Isaiah likely is faster. Fine. Fine. I'll give it to you. I'll cede that point. But you cannot tell me that you believe Isaiah likely can run a better route or better route tree than Jordan Matthews. There's no way in, in H-E double hockey sticks, Ant, that that is a possibility. And because Jordan Matthews is sitting down there as a developmental prospect, this guy feels like a developmental prospect. This shouldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you got going is the age, right? Isaiah likely is younger than Jordan Matthews. True. So if you want a younger, cheaper option, uh, he could potentially be a cheaper option because he's going to come in as a draft pick. Um, and you're going to have Jordan Matthews on the, the minimum deal. But um, Jordan Matthews is, knows how to get open in this league. and He knows what it takes. Uh, he's been playing for the 40 yards and understands the system already. So uh, if I was going that, that way, I would definitely have uh, Jordan Matthews in camp. Uh, over George, uh, over Isaiah Likely. Uh, fair, and especially with some of the other prospects and names that would be available at that spot. Uh, Paul Sanders just said it. A great constant question we need to be asking is, are they better than what we already have? True. At yeah. every position. Yeah, I think that's always something you have to ask yourself. You know, if you're going to draft a player, uh, they have to be able to make your roster. You're not going to draft somebody, especially early on, where some of these guys are going to go and them not make your team. That means they're playing for somebody else. And we've seen the 49ers do this with tight ends before. Uh, they've drafted tight ends, and then they end up playing for other rosters. You don't want that to happen again. So you have to make sure the guy is better than Ross Dwelly or better than Charlie Warner. So either they're a better blocker than Charlie Warner or they're a better pass receiver than uh, Ross Dwelly. Uh, the thing right now is Jordan Matthews is potentially a better pass receiver than Ross Dwelly. So I think he has to be in the mix. But the 49ers were looking for a more complete tight end last year with Michael Pruitt. So maybe they are still looking for that guy. Uh, potentially, we maybe we'll find that guy in the draft because there are some guys that I like um, better than the guys we've even talked about right now. Uh, you you are not wrong there, Ant, at all. And we're getting closer and closer to a guy that we have talked pre-show about that we absolutely love. Uh, but do we want to do we want to do we want to talk about Jake Ferguson? Yeah, first? let's talk about Jake Ferguson because I think 
Ferguson is similar to Rucker. Um, is the fact that he's very talented and very like solid. He's a solid prospect. He's one of those guys you can, you know, especially if you're looking for a second tight end in the NFL, you can plug and play this guy as your second tight end and feel that he's going to be able to do everything you want him to do. And will be available on that 105 mark. Yeah, and since you he went to Wisconsin, he has pretty good blocking technique. Uh, the, the, it's not like over the top great, but it's good. So, you know, you got a well-rounded. Now I wrote down good tight, uh, good hands and solid. Those were the things that I really liked about him. And then the, my questions for him though, is how we got in and out of his breaks at the top of his stem of the routes. It wasn't very clean. It was a little bit slow at times. So that means he's going to have to use his body to be able to potentially create separation between him and a defender. So I worry about pressing off. And then with the extreme athletes, he's going to be going against those guys being able to undercut him and take away a lot of the plays. So I thought he's he's a nice prospect at 6'4", 250 out of Wisconsin, uh, but I don't I don't know if he's a big time option for the 49ers potentially later on in the draft if he was to fall um, pick 134 in the fourth round if you're looking for tight end. But Alex, do you think he would make the team over a Ross Dwelly? I don't know if he makes it over a Ross yeah. Dwelly. Um, look, speed and athleticism are my two biggest concerns with a guy like this. I think he's a decent route runner. I think he can run a variety of different routes. I don't have him necessarily pegged in the role of Ruckert where I concern maybe some of the route running aspects that he can run a few more routes. The problem is, is that he is slow, like slow, slow. This guy doesn't look fast. Nothing he does feels fast. And um, whereas Ruckert at times, I I feel like, hey, there looks like there was a little something there. It made me want to watch more Ruckert film. I kept watching more Ruckert film, expecting to see more and then didn't and was disappointed. With Ferguson, it's like, okay, that's, there's nothing. No, there's no more. There's there's nothing more coming here. You kind of see what you can get. I do like the fact that he's got a high motor. I think he does have great hands. I, I think he's hard to tackle as well, just because of the size. But all of those things combined, the, the size that he has, all that, and him being hard to tackle, it isn't because he's speedy. It's because he's a big body dude that's tough to bring down his space. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily better than Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly is not a hard to tackle guy. Ross Dwelly is not an elusive tight end. But Ross Dwelly has shown that he can get open. Like, I know that Ross Dwelly can get open. I don't know if this guy at the next level will be able to get open. This guy feels like he would slot in as a tight end too, who comes in on certain packages where you're trying to get a yard or two rather than, you know, first and 10, second and eight, things like that, where you're maybe want to pass the football. I, I don't necessarily believe this guy can go out there and win one-on-one. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong on anything you said, actually. I, I think that this is something that um, this guy needs to continue to develop. I did think he had more wiggle after the after the catch than uh, Ruckert, so I, I will give the advantage to him in that area, um, but it wasn't by a lot. And I think that those guys are very similar, uh, you know, have similar traits and are similar prospects that if you're getting one, you could probably get the other. So if one goes, uh, then that's when you could potentially look at, oh, I need to go ahead and grab the other one because he's probably going to go here pretty soon. Uh, very, very true. And I'm seeing Pap Tester. 49ers should draft Kirby Joseph and Danny Gray. And he was going to say somebody else, but he cut himself off by accidentally pressing enter. Papster, we, we, we like the names you just said, but we're on tight ends right now, my guy. Let's move on, Ant, to the gentleman out of Washington. Yeah. Cade Otten. Very interesting prospect. I'm going to let you start with this because you're you're going to say the thing that I, you're going to say pretty much everything that I'm going to say because you and I both absolutely love this guy. But go ahead, take yeah, it away. Yeah, Kate Otten is a star player for me. Um, so that's the first star player we've gotten from the tight end. Not even Trey McBride got a, a, a star player for me. 6'5", 247 pounds out of Washington. This was a guy I had zero expectations for. I put on the film and I literally sat up in my seat um, and started really getting involved in what he was doing because it just initially, the way he moved, the way he did things, it caught my attention. He's a very good route runner. 
I, I liked his route running ability. I thought he was physical. He had good hands uh, and a tough runner with the ball in his hands. He just looked like he was out there making plays. Uh, I liked him a lot. My only question with him was speed, uh, that top end speed. But you're not going to find George Kittles and those kind of players, you know, all over the place. You have to have guys that, you know, can also do the things. But I thought he would be an improvement over Charlie Warner in the past game and Ross Dooley in the past game for sure. The run blocking, there's some things that need to get better there. But I think you can work on the technique, uh, potentially the strength. And those things could get better where I think that if you gave him a full off season working with, you know, with Kittle and with uh, Charlie Warner, he could develop the strength enough where he would be able to be a third option for the 49ers and potentially within a year take over for Charlie Warner as the two option because he's a vastly better receiver than Charlie Warner is. This was the seventh tight end prospect that I watched film on. Uh, Jake Ferguson, Trey McBride, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer, uh, Isaiah Likely, uh, I believe it was Jelani Woods, Greg Dulcich were the first six that I watched. Okay. And I liked all of those guys. Yeah. And then I watched Kate Otten film. And as soon as I started watching it, Ant, I highlighted him. And then after watching a, a game, I put a, a big, huge, like, green highlight over him, which means that this is someone that I absolutely love. And by the end of it, I just created a separate category on my spreadsheet and just wrote down there, gem. This is a gem. This feels like potentially the most well-rounded well-rounded tight end in this entire draft. And if you're the most well-rounded tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, that means you're possibly the best prospect of every tight end that we could potentially talk about because you do do a lot of the things. He does have a high motor and he does have pretty solid blocking technique already. It can improve, but there's some areas that I liked about him. He's got extremely high IQ. The route running is absolutely fantastic out of this gentleman. It was just speed for me. And the big concern was not dominating in the blocking game and aspect there. Didn't dominate on film, but you know what? That's okay. If you're not, as long as you're doing your job, like we can work on some of this other stuff. We can work on getting you maybe it's a leverage thing with you where you're not low enough in space or you're not hitting with your hands in the right spot. You're not using the right proper leverage or, or just positioning with your body in order to dominate and maybe finish some of these blocks. When you see a guy like George Kittle, right, when you watch film of him in college and watching him just absolutely dominate, the only question was, is could this guy do something in the route running aspect? But then you see some of the highlights and some of the things he does right after the catcher, just sitting there going, just feels like this guy is going to translate to a complete tight end of the league. You would think he would go higher. He falls because of injury and things like that. Kate Otten just feels like a guy late that fits the 49ers build, not George Kittle-esque, not George Kittle in that way, but does the complimentary things that you're looking for as a tight end too right now for the 49ers. I don't know if he slots in right away and starts as a tight end too, because he does have some things he needs to work on. And, but this feels like a guy that has 49ers written all over. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't really, I haven't been mocking any tight ends to the 49ers, but since watching Kate Auden, I definitely would. Uh, I think that potentially in round four, 134, I would, I would be interested in going with, with Auden. Uh, that's how talented he is. And if he made it somehow to the fifth round, this is an absolute, you know, must selection because I think you could plug and play him and he could develop into a very, very nice tight end for you uh, in the future, potentially, you know, when you need that guy. So um, two tight end sets would come back and they would come back, uh, you know, with the ability to not only run block, but also catch the football. Uh, you are not wrong there, sir. You are not wrong there at all. Who's the next guy on your list that you want to discuss? Uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, you brought him up a minute ago, talked about how you watched him. Jelani Woods, six foot seven, 253 pounds out of Virginia. The six foot seven is the part that jumps off and you can see it on film. The guy is massive. Huge. And I, I wrote down huge target. I mean, this guy isn't like the other guys where it's a, a good target. He's a huge target. He's a good athlete, not a great athlete, but a good one for his size. I saw him as an absolute red zone threat. 
Uh, when you're six foot seven, you're reaching the Gronk, you know, levels of of size, and that's what he looks like. Um, I actually thought he could put a little bit more size on. He could easily play at 260, 265. Um, and I wrote down he could be special. He's not special right now, but he has that potential. So this is a guy I saw that had elite traits, elite abilities. Um, but he's slow to start. If you see this guy on the snap, if he's lined up with his hand in the ground, it takes him a second to get going. He lumbers a little bit, and the route running is not clean. Uh, because he has those long legs, he's not like Gronk in that category where he's able to get in and out of his breaks and create separation. Right now, Jelani Woods is nothing more than a, a big physical guy um, that gets open by using his body. Uh, but I think that there's some potential there, some development potential there. Uh, so, yeah, I like him. And I like the the possibilities of what he could end up being because when it comes down to it, no matter what, he's still six foot seven, well over 250 pounds, uh, and he can move pretty good for his size. Yeah, you and can. you can't. You can't teach, teach that. that. You, there really, you, go. you really can't. Uh, hard to tackle. Uh, I have down here decent route runner for size. For size for is size. the clarification. That's true. Right? No, that's true. Because you watch it and it's like, it's not very good. But then you're like, but he's also 6'7. He's, he's a big dude. You know what? That's not bad for 6'7, as big as he is. It's not terrible. Um, it definitely could do and use some work. I did think I did like his hands. I, I thought there was some good positive things there. Uh, but you are right, a hundred percent. This was my biggest concern. Labor is getting out of the three-point stance. If you put this guy in the ground, this is not gonna be the first guy off the line of scrimmage right now. Yeah. It's just not gonna happen. And that could be a problem on, on the edge, playing tight end, especially with some of the speed edge rushers that's there. That could be an issue. It doesn't look very explosive coming out of said stance either. Uh, and I can have concerns about him at the next level being able to separate. That being said, you can't teach 6-7. That being said, where he's going in this draft, Ant, it may be worth a risk because you are not wrong. He could develop into something. He's a guy that I have highlighted as a guy to watch where he is in the draft because if he starts slipping and falling a little bit lower than some people anticipate he should go or maybe where you were thinking he was going to go for the 49ers, maybe you're sitting there going, man, this is now super this is super enticing now, 6'7", all the all the skill sets that he has, all the traits that he potentially possesses, what we could potentially do with this at this point of the draft. this this may It may get to a point where he falls far enough, it's too good of a, an option, an opportunity for the Niners to pass up on. Yeah, you got an absolute power forward out there playing football. And, Accurate. Uh, anytime that happens, that's a mismatch for any safety. I mean, can you imagine Jimmy Ward trying to body this guy in the nope. open field? There's no body. Um, there's a guy. difference between six foot and six seven, and uh, that that's one of the things that that's, he has an advantage no matter what you know who he's playing against. Uh, maybe if you, there are a, a few guys, right. That are in this draft, uh, for the safety position, like Weatherford, that's six foot four, that could potentially match up with this guy, um, or Wu Wu as well, that could match up with this guy. Um, but you don't have that many six foot, you know, two plus, uh, defensive backs at the safety position that can cover a six, seven guy with the amount of strength that he's going to be able to use. Uh, so yeah, this was a guy that was a mismatch just because of his mere size and ability. And I think he's still developing a guy that could develop into a big-time player in this league, but uh, he'll have to put in the work in the blocking area as well. Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong there. He's going to have to put the, the work in the blocking area. And, and Charlie Kohler uh, out of Iowa State is kind of a guy that kind of goes after this. Did you watch any of Kohler film? Did you, did you, did you see yeah, any I did. of it? Yeah, I did. You, did you like any of it? Because I thought he had pretty good hands. I thought he did a really good job, actually, of creating separation. Uh, the biggest concern for me was lack of physicality. He gets way too tall sometimes in run blocking and pass pro sets. Uh, this guy is it feels like more of a receiving option than a blocking option right now. Yeah, he's uh, Charlie Kohler is six foot six, two hundred fifty two pounds at Iowa State. Um, I wrote down good athlete, good hands, just like you. Um, good body control. I thought he was very good with the body control, especially in the air, and good after the catch. Uh, so when he caught the ball, he was able to make people miss and and make things happen 
All those things scream to me better than the 49ers tight ends that they currently have in the pass game department. Here's where we get into the problems. His run blocking is not good. Um, and at six foot six, two fifty two, I would expect you to be a better run blocker than Charlie Kohler is. I think you could develop in that, but right now he could just be the the Ross Dwelly type of player. Um, so I don't know if the 49ers are going to value him over Ross Dwelly. I think it's going to be kind of where he slotted. If he falls to a point where the Niners believe his value is there, they might go ahead and take a chance on him. But I do like the six foot size uh, measurables. That is better uh, than the the two tight ends you have behind George Kittle. So I like that. I like the body control. I like the hands. Um, so yeah, I'd be willing to bring him in because I do think he's an improvement over who we currently have. And then you just flip Charlie Warner more into the blocking role like he currently plays anyways um, until Kohler's able to develop that part of his game. Fair. Uh, it's definitely fair there, And There were a lot of positive things of him as a pass-catching option on film and what he can do with the ball in his hands after catching said football. So that is definitely something that I just could consider. It could fit into what they're looking for. Um, and if you're looking to upgrade the room and slide a guy like Ross Dwelly eventually out or not have to rely and turn to a guy like Jordan Matthews, maybe this is an option. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I liked him overall, and I thought that he was one of those guys that was like, okay, okay, I, I see I see the ability there on film. And whenever you see it kind of like maybe jump out to you more than other guys, it doesn't look like the standard ability from that position, then you take notice. Uh, agreed with you there. And look, we had a... Uh, a happy Easter there and a happy Easter weekend from Sacktown Izzy. Thank you, man. We really yeah, appreciate thanks. that. Same to you as well, Sacktown Izzy. Uh, Pap had said earlier, would you guys trade Bosa if we can get the Jets pick four and ten? No? No. Uh, no, I mean, the starting point for me for Nick Bosa, if you were trading him because he's an elite caliber player, um, you're going to have to give me three first-round picks. Uh, and and that's and I want two this year and then a third another year. That's the starting point because he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. He should have been an all pro this year. Those don't grow on trees. There's no guarantee Aiden Hutchinson is going to be that guy. There's no There's, guarantee any of them. No, Katie that came on. No, none of them. There is a guarantee. His name is David Ajabo, but he's not going to be able to play this year. So right. um, that would definitely hurt your 2022 uh, capabilities. I, I wouldn't trade Nick Bosa right now for sure. You're going to exercise his fifth year option in May. Uh, you're going to have him for another year on what is the rookie pace go. He'll make a little over what the close, I think it's like close to $20 million uh, in 2023. That's a good enough money. And then you'll work on an extension after that. Uh, very, very fair. Ant. very, very fair. Indeed. Uh, let's get back to tight ends. TC. Oh let's yeah. Get back like, to the tight, those guys, huh? You know, this is the, the, what the whole episode is supposed to be about, right? What this whole live show is supposed to be about it is, is this whole tight end position and what right. the Niners could do with it in the draft. Who's the next guy on your list? Uh, after Charlie Kohler. Uh, Chigizo Akinkwo. Uh, I believe I'm trying to say his name right. Uh, uh, Chigozium Akonkwo. Akonkwo. Out okay. of Maryland. There we go. There we go. Um, <laughs> six foot two, 238 pounds. So this guy's a little bit more undersized. Absolutely. Doesn't have ideal height. Doesn't have ideal weight. But what he does have is ideal athletic ability. Does he have speed, Ant? He does. Oh, and man. he's got elite traits. Awesome, right? <laughs> um, he is a guy that looks like a power slot. He looks like a guy that can play power slot for sure. He's an athlete with a lot of versatility. So I thought he could play inline. I thought he could play in the slot. I thought he could play in the H-back role. So I like that. Um, he was great after the catch. Not good, but great. So this is one of those guys that definitely fits what Kyle Shannon wants to do. Um, the problems with him is the size and length. Of course, he doesn't have that. Um, and then blocking inline. He's not a guy that blocks well inline right now. But the size that he is at 6'2", 238, he's thick for his height. I believe that would actually allow him to play with low pad level and he could develop that end of his game. But you're going to how often do you see tight ends run fly sweeps, be able to catch screen passes and then still win over the top. This is a guy that can do all of it. And he was using all those avenues. So anytime I see position 
uh, positionless ability and position versatility, I know that they're a Kyle Shanahan possibility. Um, that's a lot of idities or whatever it is. Um, so there you go. I think that we're going to potentially, you know, this guy could fit and slot for the 49ers, but depends on where he's going to get going because I think one of these other teams might actually value him. Uh, I could see Miami or the Jets taking a look at him because he, 100%. Would, he would definitely feel some of the things they're trying to do as they continue to build on Kyle Shanahan's offense. Literally what I have down on here is positionless, positionless fit and that the Jets or Miami might not be able to pass up on yeah. because outside of Gusecki, their tight end room in Miami, there's nothing there to behold outside of Gusecki. Um, and you're going to need a guy who can come in at some point. Some, Gusecki goes down. You need someone who can come in and do a lot of different things in that offense with all the weapons you have. This guy would allow them an opportunity to expand the roles, do more with their packages and things of that nature. He almost feels like more of a better fit for the Miami Dolphins than he does the San Francisco 49ers in terms of just how many weapons they already have and the fact that they don't have much else behind Gusecki that he would fit in and slot in better. In the Niners' room, he might get a little lost. He might get a little lost in that because there's not the blocking aspect to his game. But look, I, I do like a lot of the things he just said. And the thing, the pro I have on here for him, the, for the, the thing I liked most, was chunk plays. Yeah. There are all, I mean, all over the film. If you just watch the Michigan State game, the, the, uh, the Michigan State game that he was a part of, Maryland versus Michigan State, it's uh, very apparent. Uh, very apparent his skills like skills when the ball is in his hand both run after the catch or like you talked about fly sweeps things of that nature different things that you typically don't see out of tight end position he has versatility he can do a lot of different things it's just the blocking aspect for me that is the biggest concern and, and listen I, I don't necessarily think he's the most elite route runner in the entire world of this draft but he does enough and he has all like you said all the elite skill sets already that he doesn't have to be the best route runner in the world to create separation get in and out of his breaks and get to a spot and be open yeah, and he can improve the route running for Correct. sure. He has the capabilities to do so. I see him as a better option than Ross Dwelly right now. Similar uh, size, disagree with you, um, more athletic than Ross Dwelly, creates more after the catch than Ross Dwelly, is probably a pretty equivalent blocker at this point than Ross Dwelly. Fair. Um, so I would go that route if that presented itself because he's not the blocker that Charlie Warner is, but he would give you some flexibility also if you do want to put him in a power slot situation like you did with Jordan Reed. Um, he's going to go in there and be able to block you know, nickel corners. He's, he has the size to be able to do that. And his aggressiveness when he has the ball in his hands is something I know that I really like. And I, I've seen it from the 49ers because that's who they draft at the tight end position. Uh, very true, Ant. Very true. And we just had someone in chat. 49ers George said, Derek Deese Jr., San Jose State, undersized athlete with great hands. A little bit further down the list. Do you want to get to that now? Or you want to... Yeah, we'll go ahead and talk about Derek Deese Jr. Out of San Jose State. Um, this one I knew was going to come up because... Derek Deese played for the 49ers, and this is one of those natural ties. I think Derek Deese Jr. is a limited athlete. I think he has decent athleticism, um, but at times he seems a little bit limited. I thought that he was a guy that definitely grades into being you know, a seventh to undrafted free agent. I could see the 49ers bringing him in as an undrafted free agent. In fact, I thought he had good hands, not great hands, but good. Um, very good blocker, not great blocker, but good blocker. Uh, so I could see this guy transitioning into the NFL but right now, I don't see him as a guy that's going to go, you know, higher than potentially round seven. Um, I, I don't, I haven't seen him graded out anywhere higher than that. And what I watched on film, nothing was elite about him. He's just, he's a, he's a well-rounded, solid tight end. Um, but I thought he played well-rounded and solid at San Jose State, and I would expect him to just absolutely tear it up. You would think, you would think he would yeah. tear it up at San Jose State. I didn't see tear it up on film. Yeah. Um, I, I have across the board here, solid. He's solid in a lot of things. He does a lot of things very well. Nothing great, though. Um, and I don't see power. So when when we're watching a, a tight end that blocks, you're looking for a guy that can, you know, maybe not move the pile, but get guys going in a certain direction to create lanes. 
there's definitely no power there he's not moving guys around looking he doesn't look like there's anything extra he's doing with his blocking he's not necessarily losing but he's not imposing himself he doesn't impose himself in runner pass protection sort of situations and as a route runner he's decent he's a decent route runner you can tell that you know he's got some wide receiver in him he's got a little bit of wide receiver but doesn't have elite speed and he runs a four four nine three doesn't have elite speed um he doesn't have necessarily elite physicality as well with his route running so he's not creating separation by getting into people's bodies and then getting off of and creating that space um so i have concerns about whether or not this guy can at the next level create separation because he doesn't have the speed necessary and i don't see the physicality necessary where you see some guys right we talked about jelani woods jelani woods is a perfect example of this not a great route runner but you know what he does have Big body, huge frame. Yeah. And he knows how to use said big body, huge frame. So he guess does. what? You don't have to be necessarily open to be open if you're Jelani Woods. You have to be open to be open if you're Derek T. Jr. Yeah, I agree. And we had an absolutely fantastic question come from Eric Dane. He said, what do you guys think is easier, teaching a blocking tight end how to catch or teaching a receiving tight end how to block? Easier? You would think it's catching. You would think it's catching it. I think what's actually hardest is teaching them to be a good route runner. Uh, That's because, the hardest part. Because physically, some of these guys aren't gifted enough. If you see willingness to block, I, this is one of the things I believe as somebody that coached offensive line for years. If you see someone that's willing to block, you can teach them the proper technique to be able to block, um, especially from a skill position area. Fair. If they're not willing, that means they don't want the contact. They don't want the smoke as it would be. Um, that is going to be a little bit of more of a trouble um, so it is about willingness. If you're a willing tackler, a willing blocker, you can teach them proper technique and they can improve in that area. I do worry about route running because sometimes your just physical gifts don't allow you to get in and out of breaks and things that you want to do. And then if you're like, we're talking about these don't have the physical traits to be able to create separation using your body, being able to nudge them at the top of the route um, with separation with a, a little bit of an elbow or arm extension then you're going to have some issues there. If these guys can stick on you, it's harder and harder in the NFL to be able to create separation. Where in college, a lot of it is schemed up. Now, we do know Kyle schemes things up, um, but you can't consistently be scheming up for tight ends to get open. Uh, we've seen that Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly haven't had tremendous success over the last couple of years getting open. It was guys with the elite traits, right? George Kittle consistently gets open, and then Jordan Reed in 2020 consistently got open because of their elite skills playing the tight end position. Look, here's the other thing, too, with, with what you just said about route running. It takes full body control. Yeah. Uh, it's hand, it's upper and lower body working in synchronicity. Oh, my goodness gracious. I think I just made, made up a word yeah, there. Did. Synchronicity is what I meant to yeah. say. Synchronicity is not a word at all. Well synchronicity. Done. Synchronicity shirt coming soon. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> when you're CC. synchronized, but you're also uh, unsynchronized at the same yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Glorious. It's hiding from anonymity. <laughs> absolutely yeah. uh look when you have that top and bottom yeah. half working together that's how you can have yeah that's how you become sort of that better route runner that's how you can improve upon that both portions have to be working in sync with one another in order to get in and out of breaks slow yourself down beat make sure you're on balance be able to sell give a direction make a guy actually believe and bite on it some guys don't have that you don't have the capability to get the top and the lower half together they're not that type of athlete maybe they're very good with one half of the body and that usually leads to them being good at one thing. Teaching someone how to catch is a little bit different because it's just your hands. Just put about putting your hands in the right spot, focusing on focus, right? Where you're supposed to be focusing looking. Focusing on the ball, yeah. And then being able to, are your hands too soft? Do you not firm grip? Or are you someone who's stone hand? Everything is tight. You're tense. Every time something starts to come your way, you just, you can't get these things to relax a little bit because the mitten's got to fit around that football. And if they can't fit around the football, if they're, you know, tight as a tight as a rock, or they're hard as stone. You can't do that. Catching is a little bit easier because it takes a little bit less. It's 
two body parts to work with, whereas you brought up with, with route running, it's it's everything. Everything goes into that. It's not just something that you can do with one half of your body. In in a shocking development, everything in football, you have a marriage between the lower body and the upper body. Stunned. If you're a good tackler, you do that. If you're a good blocker, you do that. Uh, synchronicity between upper half and lower half are what separate the guys who make it to college and the guys that make it to the NFL. Wow. I, right. I'm stunned. I, I like to bring the knowledge occasionally. You know? uh, occasionally, <laughs> he says. Occasionally. TCC, can you believe this guy? Can you believe this guy? Don't laugh, editor. Synchronicity. G-money. Over there, Ant. Okay. Next tight end on your list, Ant. Who are you? Who are you on? Who is the next guy that you're looking at going? This makes sense. Uh, well, there's a guy that didn't make sense. I'll bring up first. Okay. And that's Lucas Kroll, 6'5", 254. Oh, no. Um, I wrote down big target, and then that's as far as I got. Um, <laughs> because then I just started seeing that he wasn't a really good athlete in the open field, and then I just I didn't see the blocking from him either. In fact, it's it's not like just bad blocking. It's atrocious blocking. Like maybe one of the worst blockers I watched in all the epi- you know all the things that we've done in breakdowns, and it was willingness as well. Uh, he's he was doing some of the famous things I've seen you know from the high school kids that I used to coach was pointing and directing guys like oh no just watch out for him and don't actually block him. Uh, so I had to bring that up because I don't know if Kroll was going to get brought up. He's somebody who played with Pickett, um, so you would think of him as a possibility, but I didn't see it on film. I don't know if you saw anything better or, or different than I did. No, I didn't. Uh, in fact, and I was confused because when I was watching the film, I didn't like what I saw at all, and I was like, am I missing something? So I started going through some draft profiles started compiling some things, some positive things. A lot of people have him as a developmental tight end. He's not very high on a lot of people's boards. Some people have him like a, uh, I think it's, where are we at right now? PFN. PFN that we typically look at. um, Has him kind of right in the middle around that 150 range of prospects. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know about that. But a few sites had down that he was known for his leadership traits. His leadership traits. And one of the things that was my biggest concerns with this gentleman was willingness to block and effort to block. Yeah. He does not have a high motor for oh. blocking. Uh, if he's being asked to step in on pass situations, there were times where he literally was looking around like he didn't know who he was supposed to be blocking when there was a gentleman coming either off the edge or stunting inside that he could have put a hand on, done something to slow him down, but you're not wrong. There were a handful of games where I saw literally this or this uh, and he would move inside and point at the guy outside, like, hey, running back, who's going to be chipping and releasing into the flat? Make sure you pick that guy up, and the running back would chip and release, and Pickett's running for his life. So solid leadership. You're right. Pointing uh, out who who should actually block the guy. look like solid leadership to me, yeah. man. Looks like a guy who's unwilling to potentially do his role or just didn't understand what his role was. So if he didn't understand what his role was, well, now I have IQ concerns, right? Do you not understand the, the front you're seeing, what your responsibility is in this protection? Um, there's that aspect. So there's a concern there either way. I, I don't like this fit, though, at all. No, he doesn't fit. But one guy that could fit is Cole Turner, six foot six, 249 pounds from Nevada. Um, a, a fun a fun watch because he plays with every bit of that six foot six frame. Uh, he's long. He's good adjusting to the football in the air. Uh, he has good hands, and he wins jump balls consistently. He's an absolute red zone threat. Um, so those were things that I really liked about him when I watched film. It is a jump ball, like just fun fiesta uh, watching him all the time. It feels like every single time there's a situation over the middle in the end zone. It doesn't matter. It's a fiesta of him jumping up and getting it's a ball party because uh, he's coming down with it. It's like a, a one man cold to this guy. He's the only one catching. He's the only one coming down with it. Uh, but as far as blocking, 
Oh, Alex, the there's, blocking. There's something. Come on, do. man. You're yeah. 6'6", 249. Uh, let's get a little bit better in the blocking area. But he wasn't, like, atrocious. I thought he was he was average at blocking. So it, it's still a potential late-round guy for the Niners. My initial my initial uh, con was horrible in the blocking category, Ant. And then about a week later, I watched Lucas Crow film, went back, deleted horrible blocking, and just put blocking in the con area because it wasn't horrible. I saw horrible already. It's not even close. Right. Uh, hands, he's physical. He wins one-on-one. That is absolutely huge. You put this guy in one-on-one situations, even if he's covered, he was coming down with it. Right? As you said, the, the wonderful Clifford Franklin line, <laughs> which is just there beautiful you there. there. You go. Uh, he is the only one coming down with it. I do have concerns about the route running and the route tree itself, how many different things he can do. But what he does do, he did very well. And exactly. when he got into those positions, and he came out on top. He won those matchups, which means when you put him in situations where he can be successful, he's going to be successful. And that's not something you can say about a lot of players. Uh, but yeah, blocking strength was a concern, and he's 6'6". Those, those shouldn't be concerns. I shouldn't have concerns about your strength. I shouldn't have, be, have concerns about your ability to block at your size with what you can do. Uh, as someone who's not... He doesn't labor. He's not a, a lumbering, no. laboring guy. This guy feels and looks athletic on film. So it all should translate. Is it a technique thing? Is it something he's not being taught at Nevada? Is it something that could change coming to San Francisco? Possibly, which is why he'd be a, a good selection the later you get into this draft. Yeah, I love the potential. You know, and, and he doesn't look six foot six when he's moving. No. Jelani Woods at six seven looks six foot seven when he's moving. And so that was something I really did like about him. And I think Cole Turner's a, a superb athlete. Um, so I, I think he could figure out the blocking aspect of things. I think it's a lot of his technique, uh, and he could definitely develop, and the 49ers would be possibly willing to make that move. This would be an excellent, I mean, absolutely excellent fifth or sixth round pick for them. Agreed. Another one of those huge moments for them where they get another very talented player that has an elite skill set, and the elite skill set is the fact that he comes down with the football when it's in the air. Uh, you are not wrong there, Ant. That's not something everyone can say. Eric Dane wanted to know earlier about Lucas Kroll. Did he at least say Olay like a matador as he let them run by? Uh, unfortunately, not mic'd up. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know, Eric, but solid question. You, you sure would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> you really, really do hope so. Uh, true. Agree. But I think catching would be easier. Oh, that was from earlier. Uh, let's see here. Go teach Isaiah likely how to block. That's who I want, says Ken Martin. If Isaiah likely can figure out how to block it, he would be a very dangerous uh, individual in this draft. He's got a lot of work though to do. Yeah, he he's a very talented tight end. I mean, uh, but he looks like a power slot out there. I mean, he basically looks like he's just playing receiver. Uh, doesn't really do anything really in line. True. Um, he's uh, that's why I question if he's better th- option than Jordan Matthews, who the Niners currently have on the roster right now. Fair. Uh, yeah. Very very fair. Uh, look up next, Grant Calcaterra, SMU tight end, and Uh-oh. a guy that I really really like. Yeah, hey, why don't um, you kick this one off? Go I mean, I'm I'm going to because yeah. I think the hands are incredible. I think I I love the route running. I love his run after the catch ability. I think he breaks tackles for his size. He's a smaller guy in space. Um, but look, the blocking is is not good. Uh, it, it's not great. The run blocking technique, especially he's not overly strong. This is not a guy who's going to be moving anybody. I don't think at any point in time, I don't think there's any amount of muscle that this guy can put on that can make him eventually move players. But what he does have is versatility. He can play uh, in line. He can play outside as well. This is a guy that actually might transition better as sort of a, a slot option. It almost looks like he, he is a better receiving threat than he is anything else. Um, I like a lot of what he does. I think that he could fall because of the lack of versatility that he has. He could fall even later. Originally, when I was looking at Calcaterra, he was an undrafted guy. He was a guy that wasn't supposed to be drafted. And I was going to talk about him in the Gems episode originally because I was like, undrafted? With what he can do as a receiving as a receiving option? Holy crap, that would be a steal as an undrafted free agent. 
And then since I said that, he has flown into the middle of the draft, right? Like in the 160s, 150s. Some people have him as high as 145. So that's no longer an option. If he falls, if he starts falling towards that fifth, sixth round, I really, really like it. If you get sixth, seventh round with this guy, you get the back end, your compensatory ticks there in the sixth. I absolutely love it just because of what he adds in the receiving room. I think there's versatility and flexibility there. I think this is one of the better route runners of, of all the tight ends. He's very shifty, very quick. Did a lot of great things at Oklahoma very early in his career. Had the concussion issue, retired, took a few years off, came back to SMU, got himself back up to a very right. elite high level. So I definitely still think he's there. He definitely got a chip on his shoulder and something to prove, which makes him a dangerous prospect. He, he's motivated, but all of these guys are motivated, and they're all, they all want yeah. to make their dreams come true at the NFL level. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a good prospect. I watched him. I think that uh, Kylan Granson was a better prospect coming out last year. Agreed with you there. Uh, very good tight end there. And then I think he did benefit from having Danny Gray and Reggie Roberson playing with him, Shane Bichelle as well, an NFL caliber quarterback that played you know the, the year before. I think that potentially Calcaterra is a guy that could make something happen in the NFL. Um, but I think that there are guys that do similar things to him that are a little bit better than him right now. Isaiah likely being one of those, a Conquo being another one where they have similar size, but have a little bit more speed, a little bit more giddy up, uh, and then a lot more physicality. So I think that he is, if you're looking at him in that category, though, he is where you said he's going to be, right? That sixth round um, potential there, late fifth, early sixth. I think he has that. He has good routes, like you said. Um, he has very good hands. Like his hands are, he's always latching on to the football. And then he can win consistently, which I like. Uh, receiving aspects, I have very limited questions. But I do question his physicality and his size. Those were things that I don't think. He doesn't look 6'3". No, he, he plays like a smaller wide receiver. He plays like a slot receiver. When you watch the film, it looks like a slot receiver. Yeah. And In fact, there was times on SMU film it was hard to find him because he was out wide or, you know, flexed into a slot spot. And the problem is if, if I'm looking for a slot wide receiver, I'm not looking for him because if you're grading him out as a slot wide receiver, he's not good enough. Um, he's not big enough. And and uh, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it there. I think he's a good player, though. And in the sixth round, potentially, um, you could have some value there. Do I think he's better than the guys we have in the room right now? No, because he lacks in the blocking department. Is he a better receiving target than the ones behind George Kittle? Yes, he is. But what is your value there? I don't know for sure. Uh, but he he's somebody I know you like, and um, I didn't hate him on film either. But I just think there's a couple guys you know ahead of him that potentially fill the same role that are, are better um, for the 49ers as options. Look, when I first watched the film and where I thought he was going to be, I thought it was a perfect sort of dynamic marriaging, a guy you could bring in that you could sneak onto the practice squad for a year develop see what he turns into and you don't waste anything on it but with where he's been sliding sometimes in that fourth round fifth round early fifth mid fifth it's like eh, eh, eh. i love him as an undrafted free agent and i would absolutely love that if you could do that i like him just as much if you can get him in the sixth or seventh round the minute you have to start getting into the early fifth mid fifth round is where i've started to get a little bit of a eh on him because there are huge concerns in the blocking aspect the receiving aspect there are not many yeah uh, not many at all uh, but Candiar wants to know, he he's thinking, if there's only one tight end in this draft, and that's Hingle, Hingle McRingleberry out of Penn State, not real. Great hands, great route runner, a great blocker. The only concern for him is he likes the pelvic thrust. Yeah, and the whole time I was thinking Hingle McRingleberry was actually a wide receiver. Um, so I guess a power, I thought he was too. a power slot potential there. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the one thing I do know is everyone's talking about fudge. Good old fudge, <laughs> man. Fudge. <laughs> Ooh, such a great, such a great episode, yeah. man. Such a great episode there.
who else? Who's the next guy on your list after Grant Calcaterra at SMU? Uh, I broke down Daniel Bellinger, six foot okay. four, two hundred and fifty three pounds out of San Jose or San Diego State. Sorry, got um, a little ahead of ourselves. We got, we got a San San and then a State. Just forgot the Diego in the middle. Um, and I can't find forget Diego. Dora will get mad. No, you can't uh, do that. But he was a he was a good player. I liked him overall. Good hands, decent blocker. Uh, he pre- another guy that presented himself well to a to a quarterback. So he makes sure his numbers are visible. He presents himself well, gets himself open. I like that. Um, and he's good after the catch. He wasn't great, but he was good. So I did like that. My problem with him was even though he's 6'4", 253, which is a lot of size for the 6'4 frame, he plays smaller than that sometimes. Um, so that was something I was like, oh, okay, now I understand why you were at San Diego State and maybe not at a bigger school. Um, I do like San Diego State overall. They've been producing very good players over the years. But he's somebody that I definitely thought was a late-round guy, more well-rounded than some of the guys that we've talked about, but doesn't have the elite skills of some of the guys we talked about. So if you're looking for a well-rounded guy to be your third tight end, this could potentially be him. Uh, But I would like him a lot more as a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, or even undrafted free agent. That is fair. Uh, I would definitely like him in those types of spot because I thought he was closer to being well-rounded than some guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't have run after the catch ability. Um, this isn't a burner. This isn't a great route runner by any means, Yeah. Uh, but he does present himself. Well, he does a great job of sitting down in zones as well and, and staying open and being open and available for the quarterback. And when you have a young inexperienced quarterback with a guy who has to go out there and play, if something were to happen, you want a guy who can get open, sit open, stay open and make sure the quarterback can find and see him. Yep. That would be a good trade. If you need to rely or turn to someone like this. Um, I, I, I do like a lot of things that I saw. And you are right. Uh, some concerns. There were some times where he flashed as a really good run blocker um, where I saw him put guys in the ground and finish. Yeah. And I was like, nice. And then there were other times I was like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, this dude is tiny. How are you not dominant? You you were a bigger presence, bigger body than this guy's. How are you not dominating this dude? So there's just some inconsistencies with this play and inconsistencies. And the more they pop up, bring about, you know, red flags and red flags can do one of two things. Either they dispel red flags with some of their measurables and things they do at combines or more film, or they bring up more red flags. And for him, they brought up more red flags for me than less. Yeah, and we had a, we had a couple questions here. And Eric Dane said, if McGlinchey can't get his weight back up, would it be crazy to try to convert him to tight end? Um, first, uh, Eric, is a solid question, but Mike McGlinchey did get his weight up already. He's at 310 pounds now, which is only 10 pounds less than his playing weight last season and already 10 pounds more than his playing weight in 2020. So he's sitting kind of in a nice spot. I think he'll put on the remaining 10 pounds there. And then Dr. Robert Anthony Jr. said, tied in for us, 250 pounds and fast. Yeah, 250 pounds and fast sounds delicious for any anyone looking for a prospect to play the tied in position. Uh, so there are those guys in this draft. Um, but the question is, you know, do they fit ultimately with the entire scheme and not just as pass catchers? True. Andrew Deucer said McCringleberry is someone's actual name. <laughs> Eric Dane cleared that up. No, that's yeah. a, that's from a Key and Peel sketch. Yeah, and the Key and um, Peel sketches where they're going over the names of these players is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. It's great. They're, make, they're making fun of essentially what they're doing is they're making fun of uh, the NFL's rules on celebrating. So Hingle McCringleberry scores a touchdown and he gives a nice little pelvic hip thrust. Um, but you're only allowed to do three. If you do a fourth, it's a flag because it's excessive celebration. So he does one, he does a second, he does a third, and then there's a big pause, and the ref's coming in, looking at his crotch and his pelvic region, really looking, and he gives a 
tiny little pelvic thrust and he throws a flag on him. So if you haven't seen that, go check that out. It's yeah, and the, just even the names, you know, the announcement of the names, and you get the the, the <laughs> interesting names from all the different uh, colleges and construction stuff. construction noise, and they come up with some very very fake <laughs> college names too. It's 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 great. It is glorious. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, uh, go go check that out. It's absolutely phenomenal and it's really good. Uh, Jalen Weidermeyer tied at Texas A&M is an interesting prospect because very early on in the process, and a lot of people had him very high, and he's kind of settled down down towards the middle of boards and you know towards the, maybe the later end of this draft class. What are you thinking on this? Because I thought uh, the pass-catching stuff from him as a pass-catching option, it's there. Like, there's route running. There's some pretty good route running. There's pretty good hands. There's some run-after-the-catch ability. But it, the questions are is speed, power, blocking. And I personally felt when I watched his film that he played smaller than he actually was. Yeah, he's 6'3", 255. And for 6'3", frame, he's got a lot of size there. Um, he's from Texas A&M. I wrote down good athlete and good on yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. Those were things he was very good at. So automatically, he is an avenue for Kyle Shanahan because he can catch the ball, run after the catch. But the physicality was an issue. And it was it became apparent uh, the more and more you watch the game film how much uh, he struggles at times with that physicality. But hopefully that he could develop that area. Now, where he's going to start sliding in this draft potentially would be a target for the 49ers. When you have compensatory picks at the end of your draft and you're able to move around, this would be a guy you could target as somebody you could bring in and compete. Um, you don't have a lot of risk there. We've seen the 49ers be willing to cut bait with a six-round pick that didn't develop. So they could bring this guy in, have him compete, and see what happens. Overall, I didn't hate him as a, as a prospect. I thought he was actually a pretty good prospect um, who had some limitations that he could improve on. I don't disagree with you there. There are just definitely some limitations and areas that he can improve, can improve upon. But look, if, if you're the 49ers and you're drafting late, you're just looking for a guy who can do certain types of things. They don't necessarily need to be a complete tight end. You want them to do something really good, really good or potentially great and have maybe either a glaring weakness or areas that he needs to improve upon. This guy definitely fits that bill. He has those types of uh, skill sets and uh, the run after the catch ability, though, you're not wrong. He definitely runs after the catch very well. Um, can get open as well in space, which is an important aspect in the Kyle Shanahan offense, or, you know, just be a good enough route runner that Kyle can scheme you open. He can definitely do that. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think he's one of the, you know, the guys towards the end of the draft, the 49ers could potentially still strike on. Um, I think once it gets kind of farther than, you know, than possibly Jalen Weiermeyer, um, you're pretty much running out of draft prospects at that point. There was one guy um, that I like, and there's a guy that you like, um, we have different guys, and I'm going to save my guy for the draft, uh, for the draft gems episode. Same. And you'll save your guy, and now we will have a couple tight ends to talk about um, because there's a guy I, I actually started breaking down. I really liked him, but I want to engage in even more video of him because uh, potentially I think he could be a, a huge uh, advantage for whoever gets him because I think he's going kind of flying under the radar. Fair. Uh, fair. That. I'm excited to talk about who that guy is for you. I might. Is it a, is it a well-known school or is this a small school? Oh, it's a pretty well-known school. All right. Yeah. I may know who you're talking about, but I'm not going to – I don't want to give anything away. All right. Well, thank and, you for that. And and look, uh, look, the, the TCC voted. How do you guys feel about this tight end class? 80% said meh. 20% said love it. 0% said garbage. So there's good news. No one feels the the tight end class is absolute hot trash. That's good. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think the – I don't think it's hot trash. I think there are some, some players that you can get excited about that have an elite trade or two. Um, but there's a lot of development that goes there. There's not anyone that's going to come out and day one step in. I think through the years we've had guys, you know, that were first round capable talents that you could get super excited about. And uh, I mean, even last year, I mean, Fryermuth was a guy that was a second round guy, but still you could get really excited about the potential of what he could do in the NFL. 
Um, I think that there's there's guys that could do that. I you know I think I think they have um, different guys that I liked, you know. But uh, Trey McBride is the guy that everyone's super high on, and I saw this guy as a you know late second, early third round guy. I didn't see him as a guy that's in middle of the second, like a lot of people think. Um, I think he's got potential. He's got development. He could potentially be a good player, uh, but I didn't see him as one of those top end guys. Like I think that's part of the difference, right? Every year we've had tight ends in the first round that look like, oh, this guy's going to be great. Um, and I, I didn't see a first round talent out of this draft class. I think a lot of people very early on and myself included, because I saw the, the highlights of the receiving stuff with him and, and right after the catch and just what he did with the football with his hands and how physical he played. And it was like, oh man, yeah, it's I like my tight ends like that. And then the more film I watched, it was like, okay, where, where's, how come this isn't, why don't you do this blocking? How come, how come this doesn't translate to both areas of your game, right? We watch a guy like George Kittle does both things in both aspects of the game. He's just as nasty, if not more nasty, as a blocker than he is as a guy who catches the ball in space and runs through people and the way he moves and runs after the catch. It's like, oh, all those things are great. McBride doesn't translate it to both aspects in both areas of his game. And the more I watched that, the more I was like, okay, well, I mean, I could see a team with what he how how dynamic he is, is in terms of offensively as a weapon in the pass game, like why teams would maybe want that and want to add that in, especially if they feel like they have a guy they could slot in on base rundowns to do those things. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily worry about that as much. That was our biggest concern right with Kyle Pitts last year. Yeah, there was concerns about this guy in the blocking, but Kyle Pitts was a significantly more dynamic receiving option and what he could do and what he could add to the team. Um, he doesn't have that same level of dynamics. Yeah, and you know, uh, Tommy Huxley first off said he owes three thousand in taxes. Oh, big yikes! So I like to point out to him that the government said, "I love you, three thousand. So well done there. Um, and then HR says you don't make money blocking; you make money making catches. You're not wrong, HR. But what you don't do is make the 49ers roster only making catches. You have to be able to do both. Uh, and since we're talking about 49ers, that's why it doesn't make as much sense. But you're right. The pass catching is definitely valued at the tight end position more than ever so before. Especially across the league. Yeah, and you're seeing more versatile tight ends you know, than you've ever seen before. Kyle Pitts is definitely one of those hybrid type roles. Um, these guys, it, it got ushered into the league you know, with guys like uh, Graham and, and some of these other guys. So um, I think that that is definitely a trend. But the 49ers still value the blocking. So that's why when we when we're breaking down prospects, we value the blocking as well. If we were a different team like the Rams, for instance, we wouldn't value blocking from the tight end at no, all. No, Trey, Trey McBride would make sense. Oh, he makes pick, a lot of sense. For them. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, definitely for sure. A hundred percent. Uh and Gary's like button is bleeding. That's because he hit that like button. He hit that like button. Make sure you hit yours right now. Make sure you subscribe if you have not already. And uh, also Ant they should hit that notification bell because listen. Uh, you want to get notified when we go live. You want to get notified when we're doing things here on this channel. You can't do that if you're not notified. You, you'll be late. You'll miss things. You'll be like Tommy watching other channels. And be like, oh my God, the cutback's live and coming in late and then shaming us for it. Tommy, I can't believe you did that. Luckily for us, you just gave us a nice, wonderful $2 super chat. Our best player thinks he's a pirate. Wait, there's a pirate on our team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve. Steve the pirate. We have a guy named Steve the Pirate? <laughs> so great, dude. That whole yeah. scene in Dodgeball was glorious. Tommy, thank you, man, for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Always a good laugh. Well so. done. I love I love the, the Dodgeball references. Yeah, who Fantastic. Doesn't, who yeah. doesn't love the, the Dodgeball refer references? Uh, Rams tight end Tyler Higby. Oh, I, I saw it and then and then it went away. Where is it? Oh, there it is. Eric Dane. Rams tight end Tyler Higby makes two catches a game and dances both times. Yeah. It, it, he's auditioning for Dancing with the Stars. That's what he's doing. He's uh, it, got, got a jig when he gets the ball. True. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a higher production dancing ratio than Tyler Higby. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, I got a name for you, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> Freaking Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. Third downs. He's gonna catch it. He's gonna get a first down, and he's gonna dance. Red zone. He's gonna catch it. He's gonna score a touchdown. He's gonna get a dance. First and ten. When you need to move the sticks a big time at the end of the game, he's gonna drop set football. You know what you're gonna get from Kendrick Bourne as well? If he makes a block, a little scurry away. That's little, true. The little excitement dances. He's running away. It's true. Yeah. Very true. P. Marissa, what about Jelani Woods? Huge tight end. We actually did. We talked about him. Yeah, we did. So, uh, P. Murray, if you have a chance, you know, you'll go back and talk about or go back and look at our breakdown of Jelani Woods. But we, we'll give you a little synopsis. We liked him. Six foot seven, huge target, 252 pounds. Uh, it's a guy that plays that size. I mean, he plays six seven. Yeah, and when you're six seven, you have an advantage over everyone else that you're playing against. He is able to body people and use that size. Um, so he's somebody that I thought could potentially be special if he's developed in the right manner. Uh, definitely could uh definitely could and there are some negatives there but if you want the full break to have them go back a little bit earlier in the video um and i'll, I'll try and put some timestamps also so that way you can get back to them a little bit sooner uh hr asked do you see any receivers that could convert maybe an alec pierce could get that big and convert from receiver to tight end oh i don't think so and and alec pierce the reason i don't see that i mean i'm sure there are receivers let me not go that way out because i there i'm sure there are some guys especially at the end of the draft especially that we haven't looked at but yet. when we're talking about alec pierce in, in comparison pierce is a guy that runs at four three um so you don't want to put too much size on him. you put too much size on him he's going to slow down you want to use that elite athletic ability the 40 inch vert uh the tremendous wingspan he has the biggest catch radius of any receiver in the draft a wide receiver wise um so you want to keep that you want to keep that speed so i don't see that but i'm sure there's some guys you could find within this draft that could convert to tight end for sure oh they're definitely they're definitely guys that could do it and you know with jordan matthews making the attempt and doing this now later in his career there are guys who potentially could right now uh not go in this draft be undrafted guys maybe get to a roster not stick and be like you know what i got the size i got the build maybe i shift to tight end you know i got some blocking ability maybe i make that shift to tight end and become a valuable piece of an organization and a franchise because Teams are looking for receiving threats at the tight end position. Yeah, and now you're seeing the value of tight ends go up. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, these guys are moving the needle as far as getting the money up there where a lot of these guys now would be willing to play tight end. Before, True. it was kind of like running back. It was an afterthought. It, you weren't making a lot of money in your career if you played those positions. Um, so now you're seeing that happen. So I think players that are potentially going to be like fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks of the wide receiver position, if they have the frame for it, uh, deciding to go ahead and be like, you know what, I'm a very good athlete for a tight end. Uh, let me let me change my body a little bit and go give that a whirl. Uh, so I think you will see a little bit of a transition from that, but I think it'll actually start in the high school area. Uh, you'll see guys start to transition there as they realize maybe they don't have the skills to be a, an elite wide receiver, but could potentially be an elite tight end. It used to be somewhat of a bugaboo taboo thing. Now it'll be more accepted. Very true. Uh, P. Murr says, who's your fave sleepers at tight end? Ah, nah, not so fast. We got an offensive gem episode that's going yeah. to be coming down the pike in which we'll talk about gems, not just at the tight end position. Well, we could talk about like a couple guys that we mentioned in this, okay, like a, a Conquo, for instance. Conquo, yes. Um, he, he's a big sleeper for From me. From Maryland. I, I think he's a, a, a 6'2", 238. He's exciting athlete. With the ball in his hands, he does a lot of good things. Extremely um, fast. And, yeah, extremely fast. So I would say, I don't know how much of a sleeper he is. Uh, he's probably going to be a middle round guy, but I really like him. And Kate Otten, another guy we talked about Ooh. that. Not we don't. Yeah. Ant and I don't view this guy as a sleeper. This no, is, not at all. This is our probably our favorite tight end in the entire draft uh, that's coming out out of Washington. Uh, but that isn't getting the type of love that isn't getting projected and thrown up into the top uh, end of draft boards, which means he's going to be available for the San Francisco 49ers when you start getting into right the third round compensatory picks, the fourth round, and things of that nature. I would love him at 134. Uh, if he was sitting there at 134, I would love that pick. I think the value uh, would be there for him, and I think what he could add to your roster. Uh, could potentially be huge for the next few years. 
because uh, you know George Kittle is getting older. I don't think he's a George Kittle ta caliber talent. I don't think there's very many of those that exist. I don't know if there even is one. If um, they do, they're at Iowa. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I, I think that this guy could be a very serviceable number two. In fact, I think in a couple of years he could take over for Charlie Warner in that two role and then be more dynamic as a more all-around tight end than Charlie Warner currently is. Fair. Tommy Alexa just asked, do you guys really think we'll draft a tight end in the late rounds? Could. Potentially. If you have a guy that has a elite traits, right, you get to that point um, where you draft someone. Because also, you want to draft guys in the later rounds um, that have potential that you could develop and could potentially make it to your practice squad. Uh, so sometimes you draft guys, and tight end is one of those positions. Most teams carry, you know, three tight ends. Uh, so they're not going to come pluck a guy off your practice squad. So you could potentially put one there as you continue to develop them. Dude, the chat is doing all of the plugging for me. I don't have to do it. It's great. Always believe in yourself. Everyone needs to hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't already. And there you He's, go. It's not wrong. It's like my go-to line, Ant, and, and always believe in yourself. It's just doing my job for me. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and Charlie Kohler, uh, Tommy Huxley just said, I do like Charlie a lot. Um, another talented guy there that, that could do a lot of different things. Tight ends make good special teamers. I think he's intenting at a Connor Hayward situation there, uh, Mr. Gary from 49ers Fogies, or just in general overall, and in which case, uh, either way, you're, you're not wrong. Both both things would be good special teamers. Yeah, Connor Hayward's an interesting guy because he could play multiple roles. Uh, the versatility uh, is, is what you're enamored with, you know, the ability to go out there and play a bunch of different spots and, the fact that he's so aggressive and has a, a very nice mentality. He's a football player. Um, that's something that football guys like John Lynch are really going to enjoy. Uh, you sit down and talk to the guy. He's going to have the right mentality to come in and compete. Um, but as a late-round guy, you're not really taking a lot of risk on him. So if you take him late, you see what he can do. If he doesn't develop, uh, potentially you put him on the practice squad. And I know everyone you know likes our current backup fullback, but uh, he's going to start getting more expensive because he's taking on more and more of these seasons on the practice squad. So it might be time to go ahead and switch with a guy that's a little bit more versatile, but I do like Josh Hockett. I think he's a good player, but potentially um, you bring somebody to compete with him. All competition all throughout the team is always important. Iron sharpens iron as horses say. Go. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, Pap Tester said, do you guys think we draft Bo Melton and possibly convert him to running back? Uh, I don't see them converting him to running back, but I, I do see what Pap, uh, Paps are saying. Because uh, he has that kind of ability, he has one. Of, he's one of those guys that can do a lot of different things. He can definitely run the ball in the backfield at times. Uh, you know, fly sweeps, reverses, those type of things. Very good in the screen game. I like Bo Melton's speed. I think he's athletic and able to have some wiggle out in space. Uh, he's a he's a nice talent. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the 49ers weren't interested in him, uh, especially in the sixth round potentially. You know, if he's in the fifth or sixth round. You could see them going Bo Melton. I think he might actually go in the end of the fifth round. So probably, um, I, I do like Bo Melton, though, and I think he would be potential in what Kyle Shannon likes to do on offense. Oh, you're not wrong there. That's why he's been mocked, and a lot of people have, especially in 49ers land, taking a look is because he kind of fits the scheme and do some different stuff. And I don't know about Kyle Shanahan's look, take a look at him. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Paul Sanders just said, hey, do you do they use the Jimmy Johnson chart when you're trading draft picks, even for the light rounds? I would say yes. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone is this kind of goes with that. It's kind of like the standard, the, the standard, the go-to. Pretty much standard. Uh, the Jimmy Johnson, yeah, pretty much standard, right? Um, pretty much goes to that. I I think that the late round picks it gets a little more interesting because a lot of times with the late round picks, um, teams are willing to move off their current pick and take draft capital for the next season. Uh, so a lot of times you may see somebody, you know, just just willing to come off their six round pick for, you know, a six round pick the next year. Uh, and the value is really not the same, but they're just, they don't, they know that that player that they were going to draft, you know, they don't want to financially be obligated to them. And they also don't think they're going to make the roster. So they just go ahead and try to, you know, add capital for the next season and make a difference. That's, that's definitely fair. That's definitely something the teams are looking at. And yeah, I would say that Jimmy Johnson chart is 
kind of like the, yeah. the baseline for teams. You're taking a look at it. Um, you're trying to follow it best you can. And when you get to get to later rounds, it becomes a little bit harder to, to do that. And so they're just willing to move off of things because you're, you're not thinking necessarily you're going to get a guy there that, that is going to be a huge impact player. Maybe you think you could develop into something. But like you said, if you don't necessarily have the money or you don't think maybe it's a guy that you really, really like and you think is going to have a hard time making your roster, but someone else would swoop up. You'd rather not take the chance. You'd rather just try and swoop that guy up and put him on your practice squad later. Yeah, you definitely are looking for elite trades at that point. You know, and sure. the 49ers did that with Elijah Mitchell last year. They found an elite trade that they liked, uh, and they went that route. And that's what they've continually done in the later rounds. Um, so I would I would think that would, you know, be the same now. And Bo Melton is one of those guys that has one of those traits. Vellis Jones as well has one of those. Reggie Roberson, all those guys with elite speed are enticing to 49ers in their offense because even if they're not a key contributor on offense, they can be a key contributor in special teams as a, you know, somebody that's a gunner or something of that nature. Uh, not wrong there. And elite traits important six and seven round picks though, aren't worth squat. Says Paul. I, I would normally say you're right, but Elijah Mitchell was a six round pick. Uh, sometimes you have to take a chance on a guy. It depends on what your grade is on him, right? Four yards had a third round grade on Elijah Mitchell. He fell to the six. They make They make the pick. So it has to be someone that you're super high on. Um, but if if it is, then you can grab those guys. So I think at times you're right. Sixth and seventh round picks aren't the value you're looking for unless one of those players potentially slides. And in that case, you have to go pounce on them. The 49ers do have six round picks that have been helping their football team, uh, including undrafted free agents. Now, when it gets to the seventh round, the funny part is most players would rather go undrafted. True. You go undrafted, you get to choose where you want to go and you can get more guaranteed money as an undrafted free agent. So that is the seventh round is one of those interesting things where I think it's cool to get drafted, but some players are like, okay, at this point, I'd rather go undrafted and be able to choose where I want to go. And that's why a lot of times undrafted free agents actually have more of an impact in the NFL than somebody that's drafted in the seventh round. True, because they they probably they have NFL level talent and they have teams that that want them, but maybe they're they need they have a need they want to fill or they're you know they're they're juggling a couple of different prospects at that time. Those guys are sitting there. The seventh round, you're sitting there praying, please, please no, please no. Especially if you've talked to a lot of teams, you've worked out for a lot of teams, you know that there's interest. Teams are interested in you. Yeah. If teams are interested in yours and they're going, yeah, please no, because I get to pick and choose where I want to be, and that's that's a better situation. It is, you know, I mean, because these these teams are going to be waiting uh, at your front door, basically, you know, looking looking forward to getting you. Because as soon as you get to a certain point in the draft, um, then you're you're turning full attention to getting these undrafted free agents. You got all your scouts working the phones. You know, the coaches as well, reaching out to these players, guys, the scouts, especially guys that they've um, really looked at for years, right? They've been paying attention to these guys for three, four years as regional scouts. And you, you know, you developed a relationship with them for this moment where you can go and try to bring them into San Francisco um, because you have players like Emmanuel uh, Mosley. That was an undrafted free agent. Aziz Al Shire, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, people that have added to your football team that weren't drafted. And now you just signed one as a corner in Charverius Ward, who was an undrafted free agent. Uh, so there is talent to be had even after the draft goes off air. Uh, accurate, Ant. There's talent to be had. And we're going to see what the Niners do and Paul Sanders in. That's why he likes having Mr. Irrelevant. If there's somebody special and we can snag him up and not let him go into the undrafted free agent pool, then I like having that, being able to pull the trigger on that option there. Yeah, potentially, right? If, if you have a guy that you know could go undrafted, um, now you're sitting with the last pick, you might just take a flyer, you know, on could. them. Uh, and there are going to be some talented guys, you know, that are going to be available. Isaiah Pacheco potentially could go undrafted, a 4-3 speed guy. Mm -hmm. um, there are guys that are going to be there that you want to go ahead and grab. And, and there's some guys that we're going to talk about in our Gems episode um, that probably are going to go undrafted that I would love to see the 49ers go ahead and grab. Very, very true. Cutback crew, make sure you have liked if you haven't already subscribed. If you 
have not done so if you're watching over on twitch give us a nice follow we really appreciate that if you're watching us on the facebook just follow the page hit the like on this video maybe share it with some of the faithful we would appreciate that as well and if you're listening afterwards on traditional podcast platforms you've stayed all the way here to the end a nice five-star rating would be extremely extremely appreciated we appreciate all the support the cutback crew has been giving us and we're looking forward to talking more positions looking forward for more war rooms looking forward to all of the stuff that's going on and tomorrow night especially you're going to have a nice cutback chat with me in which i'm going to give you alex's mock draft 1.0 so yeah so fun. if you want to check out alex's mock draft 1.0 make sure you're there 8 45 p.m pacific time uh, you're going to want get, to get involved in that and let him know how wrong he is or or how right he is. I just thought I'd mess with him a little bit. Either way. Um, but no, the mock drafts are fun, and I think that'll be fun. It'll be your perspective. Um, everyone will get to see you know how you're seeing things, and then you can have some nice interaction with the cutback crew. Who knows? Maybe I'll chime in every once in a while. Hey, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, yeah. I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, indeed. Tommy Huxley, it's over. Is there a prospect you want to talk about, Tommy? Yeah. Is there a name that you want specifically? I want to know. Tommy, let us know in the comment section down below while we finish wrapping and, and putting in the final plug here. Look, it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot more content still to come before draft day. And then on day one of the draft, you get to enjoy us pumping out some wonderful content for you, but also getting ready and getting yourself geared up for day two of the draft when the Niners are actually going to be doing things. And yours truly here, the 49ers Cutback, is going to be having a draft party at Back Alley Brew in Galt, California, April 29th, 4 to 8 p.m. Yeah, that's going to be exciting, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to interacting with the TCC um, and all the fans that are coming out, and fans have been contacting us from around Northern California that they're going to be there, and this is going to be an exciting time where we get to kind of put some of the faces with some of the names um, and meet people in person, and that's going to be fun. We're also going to be live streaming and going through the draft picks as they're made, so when the 49ers are on the clock, we're going to be ready to talk about it, um, and I'm curious who the TCC will think we're going to take at that time, not only at back alley but also right here on youtube i'm sure the chat will be going crazy as well um on youtube as well uh absolutely and it's going to be a blast it's going to be a lot of fun and tommy's saying he don't know spit about tight ends in the draft well hey we just went through a nice list of names for you a lot of guys that you can dive into take our analysis go watch some film come up with your own thought process let us know and maybe get some of that done tommy before tomorrow night so that way you can tell me how wrong i am uh when we do alex's mock draft 1.0 uh pap here and you guys are the best 49ers channel on youtube no disrespect to the others you guys are so well informed when it comes to the game of football not just the niners keep up the great work we appreciate yeah, that thank pap. you very much pap, hugely sure. man that is that is wonderful yeah and, and great great chat right i mean pap was one of them that did absolutely fantastic in chat sure but eric dane as well we get great questions all throughout the chats and that's what makes it easier for us as we're able to interact um and we just have good good conversations with people that want to know about 49ers want to know about football in general. Um, and then some of them that know a lot. I mean, we've had players that have been pitched to us that we've gotten into uh, because of chat. And we really do appreciate that because uh, as a community, it's fun to talk about 49ers and I'm really excited about, you know, potentially what the draft is going to look like. It's very true. It's very, what was that? Give Gary a shout out. Our, our editor says give Gary a shout out as well for being just an absolutely incredible mod and making Gary his job easier. Yeah. Uh, he makes the editor's job easier because he doesn't go through and look at chat there the whole time. Go. Can worry about change between scenes. So Gary as well, my guy, day Warner and, and a guy who's been absolutely killing it for us in, in the mod department, just making sure the, the guidelines here on the cutback are followed. Look, we love having conversations with all of you. We absolutely love, love talking this game with you, talking different prospect, talking San Francisco specifically and what the Niners are going to be doing. And we look forward to continue doing that with you going forward. It's going to be fun here on this channel. You're not going to want to miss any of it. And Ant, it is about that time. Yeah, let's uh, let's chalk up this Saturday episode. Catch you later, TCC. Enjoy your uh, 
Your your Easter weekend. Yeah, have, Easter a good, have a good Easter weekend. Enjoy it. Catch you later. Hey, Alex. What are you doing, man? You're not what ready. Mean, how am I not ready? I'm here. Your shirt. You can't. You can't do things out in public like that. Oh, especially not on the podcast like that, man. I better. I better get into something else quick. Oh my gosh, oh, that was quick. That's better. And thank goodness we have 49ersCutbackShop.com where you can get all your 49ers cutback needs very easily as well. Yeah, go over there, check it out. Peruse a little bit. New drop coming soon.